From the studios of Tucson Business Radio X, recorded in the Stewart Title Corporate Offices on Broadway, you are now listening to The Mark Bishop Show. And now here's your host, Mark Bishop. And welcome to another Mark Bishop Show in these trying times. But it's interesting to come across interesting people and what they're doing, different things what they're doing. And that's what I try to do with this show to bring to you. So it makes life a little bit more interesting. And this particular fellow, uh, Brendan Kumasami, is the founder of Master Talk. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not, but on a YouTube channel, he started some time back to help the world master the art of public speaking and presentations. And boy, do a lot of people, you know, have trouble with this. He coaches purpose-driven entrepreneurs and CEOs on public speaking. This is to share their ideas with the world. Welcome, Brandon. How are you? Thank you, Mark. It's such a pleasure to be on. I'm great. How about you? Um, I'm fantastic, excepting, of course, I feel the pressure just like anybody else going on at the moment, uh, not knowing what to do. You know, every time I do go out, Brendan, I wear a mask if I go in public, but then I see so many others not wearing it and, you know, it makes you think. Um, all these restaurants open because we need the we need the business, so to speak, but what price of life, you know? Um, when they end up in the hospital, it's not going to be that easy. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but it's it's just uh, annoying to me. But anyway, let's talk on a positive factor. Tell me about yourself. Where did the idea for Master Talk come from? Of course, I'm happy to share. So when I was in university, I used to compete in these things called case competitions. So think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So instead of spending every week playing a soccer game, playing football, and practicing with your coach, we did the same thing with presentations. So believe it or not, people would fly from Thailand all the way to Canada, where I live in Montreal, spend $10,000, hotels, accommodations, everything just to present PowerPoint slides. So I did that for three years, presented hundreds of times. And in the process of doing that, a lot of the students I was coaching kept asking me for resources. So I started making free YouTube videos so that everybody can master the art of public speaking and it turned into what it is today. Hmm. So you saw the niche because, what, nobody else was offering this type of thing or just something you thought, that's a good idea, maybe I should do it? A little of both in the sense of it was a good idea because a lot of people needed that information. But as I was starting the videos, I began to understand why that content wasn't being shared already. And the reason is because a lot of the speech coaches in the industry have very consistent client revenues. What this means is let's say Bob works with 10 clients. They're always going to hire Bob every year to help them with their speaking because the money that they make from the speech greatly outweighs what they pay in fees. So because of that, there's no incentive for speech coaches to share free information. That's why I decided to make a change there and hmm. help some people out. Hmm, very good. And when you talked about these people, you know, flying in from thousands of miles away, we're talking about what? Business people who are just doing business presentations to companies and so on. You got it. So just to give you an idea of what a case competition is. So a business gives students a problem. So we're all university students. Well, I used to be. And in that context, let's say McDonald's says, hey, Mark, you know, I need your help because I need 
more healthy, conscious consumers. A lot of people want to eat salads now. They don't want to eat burgers. What do we do about this? Mm -hmm. So what they do is they give this business problem to 24 teams from across the world. So people from England, Singapore, the U.S. fly in and all of these teams of students that are generally the best students from each of those universities figure out a solution to the problem, make slides, read the problem, find a solution. And at the end of the three hours, they have to present it. Oh, okay. Well, that's a real challenge. It was really intense. (laughs) Three hours is nothing, isn't it? (laughs) And at these international competitions, the people who are judges aren't teachers. They're senior vice presidents of the company. So imagine you're 21 years old, you're 22 years old. You got three hours to present a solution to someone who's been working in the business for 30 plus years. Right, right. Well, that's a, hey, that's, I guess that comes under the banner of real life work, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, that's, that's definitely you, Uni is study, at. study, study, input, 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 but uh, boy, then you've got to go and do something like that. That's, that's, to me, that is wonderful preparation for you, you know. What's the biggest challenge, do you think, with public speaking? Yeah, I would say the biggest challenge is getting clear on your public speaking why. So the biggest issue with public speaking isn't that it's a hard skill to master, but rather there isn't an incentive in place for people wanting to master it. So an easy example is if you're hungry and you want a hamburger, it's easy for you to want the hamburger because it tastes good, it's cheap, and you just go across the street and you buy it. Mm -hmm. So the incentive for you is very high. I spent three bucks, I get a burger, life's great. Public speaking, most people don't want to do because it scares a lot of people. Why do I want to work on speaking anyways? It's not something I want to work on. It's not something that's great. But if we tie an incentive to it and really understand the benefits that come out of it, then we want to speak better. And you're a fantastic example of this, Mark, because you're, you have such a great radio voice. So you tie in the incentive of saying, if I can get better at communication, I can speak better on the radio, I can attract more viewers, and I can give a better experience for everyone that's listening to me. Mm -hmm. So it's about tying that incentive. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, my my career was, you know, I started very young at uh, radio school uh, in Melbourne, Australia, with the Lee Murray players. As a matter of fact, he was the guru at the time of getting guys into radio. And cool. that's what I really wanted to do. And I ended up going for five years, night after night, while my buddies were out partying and having a good time. That was my university. Wow. And then uh, finally you do get in. But, of course, Australia's not like America. You know, you guys are used to big money here. Well, there's 220 markets. We have eight in Australia. So you have to start at the bottom, so to speak, what we call country radio. And, um, you know, you might be the only station in those days other than the ABC, the government station. But you learn your craft and so on, and then you get to regional if you're any good. And then you can actually hear one or two other stations on air in the same town. So, you know, you've got competition, right? (laughs) Uh, And then, of course, every kid's dream is to make the big league. What we call the big league was the Cap Cities and my hometown, Melbourne, Australia. But I did work all over Australia, both in radio and television. I got... Ooh, I, I did it all in radio and decided I wanted to do TV. And uh, then I was told, well, you're going to have to go through it all again. And I said, what, out in the bush? Poor money, pathetic cars, living in caravans, all this stuff. Well, do you want it or not? Yes, I do. Then go do it. So I started all over again, and I had a wonderful career in television as well. So, But not many do the both, you know what I mean? But that was a drive. That was a, a, something that, you know, I really wanted to do. 
And I'm a great believer of doing what you love in this life because that's what you're here to do. The money will come. But it's fascinating. So I appreciate in what you've done with that. Well, what advice then? Let me ask you this, Brendan. What advice do you have for the world? Yeah, and before I get that, I just want to acknowledge you for the amazing career you've had. I think I think I should be the one interviewing you, frankly. <laughs> but <laughs> but I would say, <laughs> so I just want to put that out there. The advice that I have for the world, building on what you were saying, kind of tying a bow to this conversation is learning to be more insane. I know this is very counterintuitive advice, but one adage that I live by is be insane or be the same. So to people like us, Mark, what mm. you're doing, what I'm doing seems perfectly normal. Oh, you know, Mark's just, you know, sweating every day of his life to get into radio school to hopefully make it to regionals and do all this stuff. In the same way you look at me, oh, Brendan's just building a YouTube channel, no big deal. But everyone else around us, when they look at that, they go, that's crazy. Mark, what are you doing? You had such an established career rating. You made it to the big leads. Why are you starting all over again? Are you crazy? Are well, you insane? There you go. Good. Because it's something we can do when we retire. I mean, uh, I'm still at it. And uh, this channel that I have is a business. But I do help a lot of businesses, you know, in what I do, um, to improve their business, improve their staff, along the lines a little bit what you're doing. But it's predominantly their own shows. Uh, that they do. And I get a kick out of that. I get a real kick, Brendan, out of seeing another uh, person succeed, you know, or another business do exceptionally well. And, um, and I enjoy doing that. So advice for the world. Okay, one thing, what should we start practicing tomorrow? Do you think if someone was listening now, and they said, Well, okay, well, what do I do for public speaking? What, what can I start with tomorrow? Right? I think the biggest thing that you can do is two things. First one is getting clear on why you want to master communication. If it's just to get the next promotion at work, you won't last long. You'll practice a couple of presentations a couple of times. You won't like it anymore. <laughs> right, right. But if there's a cause that you care about, a charity you want to support, a group of people that you're mentoring, you have a problem you can solve for them, and you're building a presentation around that, your incentives become much higher, and now you get a lot better. The second thing is creating a community of accountability. Public speaking is challenging in the sense that there's no one that wants to practice. So your goal is you want to find a group of people, and Toastmasters is a great, inexpensive way of doing that. It doesn't cost a lot of money to join. Yeah, they've been around for donkey's years, haven't they? Toastmasters, it's a very good one to get into. Absolutely, especially for people just getting started. I think Toastmasters is a great place, and it forces you to present every week, or at least to think about public speaking every week. So if you combine that with presenting something that you're really passionate about, that really solves a problem for people, and you present that same presentation over and over again, you'll be on your way to mastering your talk. Now, when we talk about presentations, all right, this is having to give a specific speech or a business presentation and so on. Let's talk about for a second generic ad-libbing, generic speaking. I'm, I'm driving at the fact that there are a lot of university students, male and female, that come out that are geniuses in their study, in the degrees that they've achieved. My hat's off to them. I admire them terribly. But then they go to open their mouth to communicate. And I've seen this in so many, you know, s- serious business situations. It just makes me go, ugh. I so much want to help and improve people that way because the communi- art is a communication. Well, communication is an art. 
you're judged on first appearances, you're judged on first connection. When you open your mouth, it's critical how you address somebody and how you speak to them. Why isn't there any serious, you know, attempt to help them along these lines? That's a beautiful question, Mark. I've thought about this a lot. And I think it's the way that our society has been conditioned to think that speaking isn't supposed to be fun or exciting or impactful, right? The truth of the matter of public speaking, you know this well with with your success in television and radio, is that public speaking allows you to scale your message. So let's say you're you're coaching somebody one-on-one, you're helping someone overcome trauma, you're helping somebody recover from a bad place in their life. If you master communication and public speaking, you can do that with a lot more people at once. So hopefully one day you get on video like me or Mark and you start to scale your message to the world. But the reason why most people don't see that benefit is because since most of the presentations we've given in our lives are mandatory, they're not optional. We don't wake up one morning and say, hey, Mark, you want to get some breakfast and give presentations all day? (laughs) No, you don't. That's exactly right. Yeah. Except, except your time in radio where you were intentionally working on it. For most of us, what happens is we're in high school, we're in college, we're in mm-hmm. university. We present a topic we're not passionate about to a, a, an audience that isn't passionate to hear us, a bunch of 16-year-olds who don't really care about history that much. No offense to people who do. Mm-hmm. And, and then we have teachers who are amazing in their domain, who have a great level of expertise in their subject, but weren't trained to be great communicators. So we've just been conditioned to believe that average is the new normal. And that's why we all aren't good at it. Well, you know, uh, the other thing is this. Of course, my show uh, is on on a network of the Business Radio X network across America. And uh, there are various studios everywhere, but... I try to help in my channel in Tucson, my business per se, that I came out of retirement for, is where I help and support these businesses that I was referring to. And another reason I share was sometimes with the CEOs and the other, the board, they say, look, you know, you mightn't think you want a podcast. You mightn't think you want to do a particular show, but let's look at your executives. I mean, you're counting on them to travel. You're counting on them to go to other countries, other states, do business. You're counting on them to be able to be confident in themselves when they speak, this is a perfect way for you to do it. Not everybody is born to do it. Not everybody's born with a gift and not everybody is born with that, as you say, that motivational spark within them to want to do that. But I just honestly believe that there's room for it where more people should do it to be clearly understood. Don't you think? I absolutely agree. And just just to paint a picture to this, It's not about speaking to thousands of people. And you know this. Mm, No, it's not. But I I want, like, just let's think about it from a different perspective. If you're, you know, you're a 16-year-old kid or even just someone who is presenting to 10 people, five people, or even one person, and you're able to clearly communicate a new thought, a new idea, and a new way of, of looking at the world, that's enough to change the world. But we all get mixed up in these numbers mm-hmm. with social, and, th- and I'm guilty of this being in this generation. Oh, you need a million followers to be listened to. Yeah, right. The truth of the matter is you need, you're better off having 10 people who are listening to every word that you're saying and taking action on it than having a million people who don't really know who you are and what you're about. Yeah, well, it, it virtually says to be listened to is probably one of the nicest things people could ever do for you. 
your um, interesting background, you came from where? You were born here in the States, weren't you? I'm actually from Montreal, but I come to the States a lot right. for business. Montreal and I, Canada, I, right. How, how, how is Canada these days? <laughs> ca- ca- better than the U.S., let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, it's an interesting... Uh, uh, Didectomy, I forget what we say that, but... Um, a dichotomy, that's right. But, um, you know, there's this brotherly thing between the Canadians and the Americans, uh, at the same token, hating, hating each other's guts for some reason. Um, but it's with a tongue-in-cheek, I'm sure of it. Whereas of you course. get in Australia and New Zealand, it's the same thing. You know, the Kiwis across the pond over to Australia. Uh, but we're all part of the Anzac. We all bleed the same on the many beaches that the Americans have had their wars in that we uh, support and be part of as well, so the Aussies, but, you know, there's a thing like that, and it's interesting, really, you know. I've never been to Canada, but I, um, I've i seen beautiful pictures. It is a, It seems to be a very pretty country. Darn cold at the same time, but pretty. <laughs> yes? <laughs> Absolutely. You're, you're definitely on the money on that one. Uh, so you stay indoors a lot? Oh, yeah, especially during these times. I, I'm unfortunately in Montreal, which happens to be the epicenter for this whole situation. So so I've been indoors for quite some time. It's like yeah, New York City in the yeah, U.S. Yeah, it's pretty bad, three months. We've just had here in Tucson uh, um, a spark up again, a flare-up, if you like. Mm. And uh, that's not tongue-in-cheek. We've also had massive fires uh, here in Tucson we don't normally get, very close to a lot of homes and so on. But the, um, we were in a bubble for some time. You know, you're looking at the news every night and hearing whatever you're online and you're seeing that poor New York, what it went through and uh, all that side, the eastern side of the States. Um, and we were in a sort of a bubble. No one was getting sick. You know, it was good. I thought, oh, maybe it won't get to us, you know, all across to the West. Mm-hmm. So help me, Bob, now, bingo, California, us uh, and other states around us, boom, We've got our, our hospitals are just chock a block at the moment, uh, so you know it's been a, it's been a uh, an horrendous time again for businesses and so on. People are scared; they really don't know which way to go. You know, am I going to reopen again? Can I afford to reopen again? Is it worth opening again? And so on and so on. So it's a very fearful time, and I think it's times like this that I think you know uh, faiths are uh, restored, and I think uh, um, faith in human nature can be a little better dealing with other people and you know although you can't uh, well people are still socializing you can still socialize 10 feet apart i guess but you know i think it's uh, caring more about your neighbor than we ever did before so there we go so any imparting now this tell me about the youtube channel yeah of course so so master talk is just a group of videos where I share all of my best public speaking content. There's no paywall or anything. So if you're someone who wants to share your ideas with the world and master communication, especially now since we cannot really get outside, it's it's a productive way for you to master communication. If you have any questions, don't be shy to reach out. I'm at Master Your Talk as well on Instagram. Hmm. All right. And and the name of the show is called what? It's called Master Talk in one word. And how does one find it on YouTube? You just go to www.youtube.com. Yeah, exactly. Then you just type Master Talk and I should pop up. And there you go. Bob's your uncle, as they say. Very good. <laughs> Very good indeed, my friend. Nice talking with you, Kamara. Um, sorry, Brendan. Brendan, Kamara Sammy. There we go. Kamara Sammy. That's Indian, isn't it? 
Close enough, Sri Lankan. Sri Lankan, I beg your pardon. There is a difference. Oh, oh no, there's a big difference. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> there we go then. All right, my friend. Good luck with uh, with what you're doing, and and I hope it gets stronger for you. Uh, career wise, what do you think you're going to do now for the rest of your life? What would you like to do for the rest of your life? Yeah, you know, it's funny if you asked me this question two years ago, I would have told you I wanted to be a senior level executive at a corporate firm or something. Mm-hmm. And I think what what changed for me, Mark, was I transitioned my life from what can I do with the money in my pocket to make an impact to what can I do with my time and expertise? And I kind of found myself in this weird wedge where I had been presenting so many times that I had this unique opportunity to educate the next generation of leaders the next 15-year-old or the next person who's who has a very successful movement, a nonprofit, but doesn't have the money to afford a speech coach. So my life's work is going to be master talk and sharing people's ideas to the world. So I guess the end game for me is to be the number one speaking coach. So hopefully I'll get there. Well, that's very nice. And indeed, giving, 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 and not always taking, taking, my friend. That's good karma. And uh, I think something will, you know, I hope it really does. Something great comes out of it for you. Um, if you could wave the magic wand for me, I mean, I guess one wish in my, you know, bucket list that I haven't achieved is to be able to, um, go on tour and give talks. Um, but you've got to have something that you're doing good for people. You've got to have something that I'm helping with. And apart from my media career, I have spent, uh, various times in sales and marketing and against all odds, I've achieved, you know, incredible things. So maybe there's something there, but that's boring. That's the same old business. You know, I'd love to do something spiritual somehow, some way. But, um, yeah, you've got, to, you've got to have a book, I think. You've got to have a book, good sales, before you can get on any speaking tours, you know, before they even want you. It might pay you. But anyway, we'll see. That's a hidden goal. Listen, Brendan, lovely speaking with you. Thanks for taking some time out. It's been a pleasure meeting you. I'm going to be looking at your shows on YouTube, Master Talk, and I'm sure some of my listeners will as well, and I wish you well with your career. Thank you so much, Mark. It's been an honor and a pleasure. 